We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Field of 68 After Dark. We are here to put a cap on the week that was in college basketball. Yesterday was the greatest Saturday slate of the season to date. We'll talk a little bit about some of our largest takeaways. We had some of the best teams in the country in action today as well. We'll break down everything we saw. I got Matt McCall, Randolph Childress with me tonight, two of my favorites. My name is Greg Waddell. And uh, on a night where you've got your choice of what you could watch, the Grammys are on right now. Hopefully you're watching us. If you're seeing this, of course you are. <laughs> I want to start with the, the greatest show on the internet today, gentlemen. That'd be Big Ten basketball. That's what basketball fans get fired up. Purdue beats Wisconsin. They go into the Kohl Center, and th this was for first place in the Big Ten, guys. Purdue emerges victorious as they have so often in the regular season over the last season and a half. McCall, I'll throw it to you first. Uh, are you surprised that Purdue emerged victorious in this game? No, I, I, I'm wondering how do we get UConn and Purdue to square off? Like, how do we get that matchup? Because they're the two most consistent teams in the country. They're the two best teams in the country. I'm not surprised at all. I was a little surprised that Doug Sermons, the official, was trying to get Braden Smith to calm down at one point. Uh, and how good was he today? 19 points, didn't make a single three. They're just a machine. Like, watching that game, I never thought that they were ever going to lose. The end got a little wacky, some turnovers, and the pressing by Wisconsin. But you never – like, Purdue never lost their cool. And that was the most impressive thing. In that environment, crowds going nuts. They had to make free throws to coming down the stretch. They did that. They handled their business. And they just solidified themselves – as the best team in the country, 1A and 1B in terms of them and UConn. You know, I, I mean, I think you've got to give UConn the edge right now. But, you know, you can make the argument that the Big East is not as good as the Big Ten. And for Purdue to go into that environment today, which was absolutely nuts, and just handle business. And like I said, I, I never thought that they were ever going to – they just never got rattled. Like, even when it would get tight, you just – they kept their composure and they kept their poise. That's why when they get to March and they get to the NCAA tournament, look, you know, if I was a big-time gambling man, there's no way that team does not make a run in the NCAA tournament. I just, I just don't see it. I think they're so poised, and that's the most impressive thing about them. RC, what'd you see? Uh, you know, it was more about what Purdue did than Wisconsin didn't do. I thought Wisconsin played a hell of a game as well. You know, but to Matt's point, you just, you know, you just was like, all right, they're about to make a play. I think the thing they continue to do that separates this team from last year's team is they're winning games without Zach Eady being dominant. And, you know, we, you know, some people joked earlier when we saw them and I've always been a, a Jones fans, Lance Jones fans. I think he brings a, a mentality, more so an athletic guy on a wing to that team and he can make shots. He did today. What he brings to them on both ends of the floor, I don't think you can quantify. He's not afraid to take big shots. Uh, I, I, I just like this team. I don't think there's anything you cannot like about them. They, they hadn't ducked anyone. They've taken all comers, struggled out of Big Ten play to start. They've responded. Cream's rising to the top. I don't think anybody – we said that earlier. Some of these teams like Wisconsin or maybe Illinois could 
could fight for second place. And I think we're just starting to see the best teams in their league starting to separate themselves from each other. And Purdue's doing that now. And I'm, I don't think anybody's surprised. I, I want to yeah. say this too, like, you know, in the free throw discrepancy the other night in the game versus Northwestern, and I, I get why Coach Collins was so upset. I mean, that was, I mean, to have that big of a difference in the free throw margin. But when you watch that game, I mean, Zach Eady trying to officiate him. I'm, I'm never one to aside with the officials, but that cannot be something easy to do. And I think Edie does a good job of trying to avoid fouls and putting his hands straight up in the air. But when he's rolling to the basket and he's trying to get post position at 7'4", 300 pounds, I mean, the guy gets fouled every single possession. And it's like, how, how, do, you, how do these officials even try to ref, you know, games that he's playing? I mean, I mean, that's one of the biggest things, too. And you look at the free throw margin tonight, you know, Purdue shoots 23, Wisconsin shoots 14, but it's just like – I don't know how you officiate the guy. I, I really don't. I, I, I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody wise said it's a foul every play on both sides. Like, there, there's, right. there's a foul either way. So like, I don't, I don't, pick how you how want do you to do officiate it. it. Yeah. It's got to be tough. Um, so I, a couple of things stand out to me on Purdue. I just want to give them verbal praise for here. I, I'm such a fan of this team, and I was a fan of last year's team too, but the difference is that last year's team had some very serious flaws that needed to be addressed. Last season, they shot 32% from three-point range. That was 276th in the country. They're shooting 40% from three this year. That's fifth in the country. I mean, around a player as good – in the low post as Zach Eady is, it's been pick your poison for two years. You can't pick your poison anymore. If you guys, if you leave these guys open, they're going to hit the shots. The Lance Jones addition was so huge from a secondary ball handling standpoint, from a perimeter defense athleticism standpoint, but it's also just allowed Fletcher Lawyer to be asked a reasonable amount from where last year I, I thought they really asked a lot from Fletcher Lawyer down the stretch run in conference play and everybody looks more comfortable with it. And just one thing I have to say out loud on Zach Eady, guys, I think we would all probably honestly agree this was a relatively quiet Zach Eady performance. This is the only player that I've seen in my life that can go for 18 and 13 rebounds and three blocks in a game, and you come away leaving the game feeling like it was a quiet night for him. It's insane. And sometimes you just have to say that out loud. Um, th this team is so, so, so good. Now on the flip side, Wisconsin. There are Wisconsin fans out there that would leave this game and say to you, well, we lost by six points at home on a night. We shot three for 19 from three. We had them. We just didn't make the shots. RC, do you think that that would be a fair rebuttal from a Badger fan? Yes. I, I think they didn't. I, I thought they fought there. I'll tell you what. Let me start with a wall inside. I thought he competed his tail off, right, and found a way to try to, you know, statistically outplay him, you know, scoring-wise. I thought he gave it his all, and as the team did. Making shots, I don't think I think they feel really comfortable. They're not going to go three and nineteen in the next game at home. The crowd was there. They had shots. They had opportunities. Really good looks all the way up to the end. And I think they take their chances with those same shots. You held this team to seventy five points, and that's included. It was really played in the sixties. You controlled the tempo and the pace as well. I, I thought they did as well as anybody game plans wise. I just like I said, I think the fair argument is they just missed missed, missed a couple of threes. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've been high on Wisconsin all year, you know, especially coming out of, you know, the loss early in the season at home, um, you know, to Tennessee, who who we all know how good they are. But, look, Chucky Hepburn didn't have his best game. They didn't shoot the ball well from the perimeter, and they were right there. They they had a great environment. I mean, look, it's, it's them in Illinois for second place. I mean, that's the bottom line, and then it's everybody else. Um, and they had opportunities, and they had chances. And the other thing is, too, they didn't quit. You know, it was like a six-point game with 36 seconds to go or whatever it was, and they kept battling. I mean, they they fought till the end. So there's no moral victories, and if they kicked in a couple more threes, the game could have been different. But they were right there with the best team in the country or the second-best team in the country, whatever you want to call them. Um, so, you know, they're going to battle this thing out. And there were some question marks, you know, on Wisconsin just in terms of, you know, had they played anybody with it? No, they're, they're they're as good as advertised. And, you know, obviously they're going to be in the NCAA tournament this year. Greg Gard's doing an unbelievable job. 
And it's them and Illinois, in my opinion, for second place in this league. Yeah, Tyler yeah, Wall had Matt, a great let's, night. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, 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 let's just be honest about it. If anybody beats Purdue this year, it's going to be – you're going to have to make threes. And you're going to have to shoot above 40% from the three-point line to beat them because there's going to be a disparity in officiating because – you don't have a guy that you're playing. You're, you know, like we talk about fouls. You're going to lose the battle of fouls because that's the only way you can guard him. Like he's the one guy on your team, no matter what, in the country of college basketball right now. He's the only guy. You have to change your, your defensive game plan with him. Like if you switch five, you don't switch five with him. He, he changes your ball screen coverage. Like you ain't hedging no ball screen, letting Zach Eady roll behind you because you don't have any wing that can crack down the rebound or do anything. So he he forces you to be like, man, I got to keep my biggest dude on this biggest dude, and that's where this freedom with this guard play is because they've shown if you want to slow down and, let, and die by a thousand cuts, go ahead. We're gonna keep lobbing it, but they, they're they're in a <laughs> they're playing as well as anybody, and like we talked about the paint because I think the most underrated thing about Zach Eady game is I think he dominates it on the defensive end of the floor. And I think he's the player of the year, and I think he's the defensive player of the year. When you see guys driving in there and keeping it dribble and driving back out, and he can't jump over a phone booth, and he's the best defensive player in the country because he controls the paint. Mm. And yeah. in practice, yeah, you get nobody that can simulate what he does. You, there's nobody in no. – when you're preparing and trying to practice for him, you can't simulate that. Okay, hey, guys, we're doubling the post. We got to get there on the catch. When he catches it, we got to be there right away. Okay, we're going to double team him. But he's so big when he throws it, you, you can't prepare for this guy. You can't practice or simulate how big he is and how good he is. It's impossible. Yeah, I, I'm envisioning Coach McCall running, you know, standing on a chair with a pad above his head trying to mimic Zachy back you in your practice. RC, you ever seen the silent defenders, like the big blue guys? Yeah, that's what you got to do. Get the big blue guys out there with their hands up and say, all right, and then just have a, a GA run around and practice with the big blue guy. <laughs> Not going to be as effective, I don't think. But, hey, it might be what you have to try and do. Uh, I got to ask you guys this before we move on from Purdue to the other crazy Big Ten finish tonight, which would be Illinois-Nebraska. Uh, there were some jitters, for lack of a better word, from the Purdue backcourt in crunch time here. Uh, this is the one thing I think is fair to criticize with this team is do they still have some of those those ghosts, those demons that just show up? in the biggest moments when they're trying to close out a game. Braden Smith tonight, I'm just going to run through a couple plays, and I'll throw it to McCall, who's shaking his head like, you're crazy, Greg. But this is what I saw from Braden Smith tonight. He caught the ball in the corner. They ended up calling a, a foul in the lower half where it looked like he might have stepped on the line or traveled. He had one. He had a two-on-one. He pulled it out into three guys for a live ball turnover. He had a hand check. He hand checked Chucky, Chucky Hepburn. Up, uh, up seven points with nine seconds left to send Hepburn to the line. Um, tell me why I should not be worried about Purdue's backcourt in the biggest, brightest moments. First of all, Fletcher Lawyer, I think, was inbounding the ball on that play, if I'm not mistaken. You never throw the ball to a guy below the block. Inbounding the ball, going the length of the floor. Never throw it to him. I, I didn't think, you know, the the reach in that he did that was that was a little bit of a bonehead play. I don't I don't know why he would even try to 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 make a play on the ball in that situation. I actually thought with the game on the line and Fletcher Lawyer had it out of bounds a bunch a couple different times where it was like, hey, I don't like the way things look. We have three timeouts. I'm burning one, and he did it right away. He didn't wait till it got to four seconds. He didn't even come close to a five second call. He burned one right away which shows me a level of maturity. We know how many timeouts we have. We know what the situation is. We have to get it in bounds here. We've got basically everyone, all five guys in the backcourt trying to get open to get the ball. We got to burn a timeout to get the ball in bounds. So I don't look too deep in it. I thought it showed a level of maturity. The only play that, you know, the Braden Smith reach in on defense, that didn't make a lot of sense when he was just trying to poke the ball from behind. No need to do that. You're not going to give up a three in that situation. Try to fight back and play. But I thought they showed a level of maturity, especially down the stretch in that game. And that place was going nuts. And they made their foul shots, which was big time. We won't know until the tournament because that's the only time that the pressure that's going to mount. And from a Dallas Cowboy fan, trust me, your team can play different in the postseason than they play in a regular season. So I, I, I just experienced that. So 
but no, I, I think that's it. I mean, we, we, we've, we've talked about it with these guys. I, I think we won't know again until the pressure comes from the tournament because they've shown us they can win with Zach Eady having to carry them on their back or if the other guards got to step up and play. So they're doing it all. Let's just see when the pressure amps up. Can they answer the bell? Yeah. And March pressure is different. Of course it is. But let's not forget this team does have a little bit of championship DNA. This was the Big Ten champions last year. This was the Big Ten tournament champions last year. This was the Maui Invitational champions this year. Okay. You telling me they didn't feel any pressure at any of those moments? It was just fairly Dickinson that got them a little scared. Uh, I think revenge could be on everybody's minds for Purdue. To the other Big Ten tonight, uh, (laughs) Illinois, Nebraska went to overtime in Champaign. This was far more interesting than it should have been. Uh, Illinois ends up with a three-point victory. Definitely dicey down the stretch. Kisei Tomonaga went insane. He had 31 points, five for seven from three in this game. Uh, But ultimately, Illinois avoids uh, what would have been a pretty sizable upset at home. McCall? Uh, what happened in this game? How did Nebraska keep it close? I mean, they made a ton of threes, you know, 12 for 28 from the three-point line, shot 43%. I I think it's one of those things, too, where, you know, you get a lead and you take a breath. And, look, Nebraska, they play with such great pace on the offensive end of the floor. They're never going to go away. I mean, Fred Hoiberg and the job that he's done there this year is, is remarkable and continues to do there. And he's had time and he's gotten – you know, they've been patient with him, and it's we've known he's a good coach because of what he did at Iowa State. But I just think Nebraska plays with such great pace that they're never going to be out of a game. And they made a bunch of threes, and that that's the greatest equalizer. And, look, Illinois didn't shoot it great from behind the three-point line tonight, and they took 34 of them. So if you're taking that many of them, man, you, you need to make some. They're nine for 34. But I think the pace at which Nebraska plays the game on the offensive end of the floor – they're never going to be out of a game, especially when a team has a lead. Yeah, I, I thought the second chance points kind of killed them too. They kept letting guys like Rogers come in there, get his hands on, you know, get his hands on deflections and keep keep the ball alive and get extra possessions. Um, Illinois is going to have to deal with that all year long. Some teams, some less talented teams, are going to sit back and, and just say, "Hey, keep the ball in front of you. We can't turn it over. Make these guys play in a half court and force them to shoot jump shots." And, you know, I don't think they want to go into a game shooting 34 threes a night, but they find ways to win. You get in the champagne, like we talked about before, I don't know if they're going to win a game, if they're going to lose a game there all year. Yeah, they, they've been integrating Shannon back in. I thought this was really the, the first performance since he's returned to the lineup where I think we saw great from some of the complimentary guys. Coleman Hawkins, 27-5 and five tonight. Gary A, 12 points. He shot the ball well. Damask, 19-5. and five. Ty Rogers, 14 rebounds and three assists. Um, Illinois is so unique because I think they're the only team in the country that has, like, five different guys who can lead them in scoring, but also maybe get you five assists any given night. Like the pieces are just so interchangeable. They can attack mismatches in different ways. It's one of the things I love about this team. And it's also one of the things that scares me about this team as we project forward, because you never know who it is going to be on any given night. And one thing I want to ask you guys about both from a, a player and a coach perspective, you guys have both been there. Terrence Shannon's back in the lineup. He was certainly the unquestioned alpha before he left the team and then now returned to the team. Anytime there's been a last-second shot type situation, the ball's been in Marcus Damask's hands and not Terrence Shannon's. RC, is that good or bad for Illinois? No, it just shows you. Damask showing you he's a closer. You guys know. You can't hide that. I mean, coaches know and the players know. When a guy is showing you that he, he can answer and deliver in that moment, he wants the ball. And we, we saw tonight. He missed a free throw tonight that forced him to go to an overtime anyway. But he's he's damn near 90% from the free throw line. You want the ball in that guy's hand that can attack you off the bounce. Uh, he's a better creator probably both ways, forcing for overpowering guys at times. So I got no problem with it. Turn Shannon knows his role. Get out, get it in the break, be a good two-way wing. But I, I think Damascus, he's their close, and I don't think there's any, you know, you can – I don't think there's anything to it with this team. This this team we've known, you don't survive this whole incident, not just the personal aspect of it. We're talking about with, with Shannon and the team, but even as a team, a guy goes away, he's a main guy, he leaves, and you continue to win. 
and be successful without him. And we're talking about a high volume 15 to 20 shot guy. Those sacrifices are coming from somewhere else. And we we can look around the country and we've seen in the past where locker rooms have imploded because of stuff like that. Guys, the ball not moving and guys not getting their shots, unwillingness to take less shots. So this team is overall that. So that's why I, I don't put anything past them. And, you know, the only thing that scares me about this group is, is the consistency from making perimeter shots. Like not who's taking a last shot is who else is who's making threes on this team on a consistent basis. Other than that, I love their intensity defensively. Like you said, they're versatile. They got moving parts. They're going to be able to match up uh, against any team they face in the tournament or any team for that matter with the different styles and bodies and, and the versatility that, that they can play with. McCall, you agree on that with the mask? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with RC. I mean, he led him in minutes tonight too. He played 43 minutes. You know, they, they did miss some crucial free throws down the stretch. I think they were 20 for 30 to for the entire game. But look, that's a that's a difficult situation, right? It's, this is not Donovan Klingon who goes down with a foot injury. Like you're you're dealing with something completely different and. A, a guy that's a high volume guy for you and to rc's point they didn't miss a beat they kept winning games they kept scoring points on offense and domask really stepped it up so there's hey look he showed what he can do when when terrence shannon was out and he is that guy i mean he's he's that good so now they have they have options with shannon being back you know at the end of the game you know, for some reason, Damascus in foul trouble, whatever it may be, then we know where the ball is going to be. And we know whose hands it's going to be in and who's going to create and make the play. And that just makes them so difficult to guard. To RC's point, too, just the consistency from behind the three-point line. To go nine for 34 in this game, miss some crucial free throws coming down the stretch. I mean, this game should have never been in overtime. Um, but, you know, like I said, give Nebraska credit. The pace they play on offense, they're never going to be out of a game. 100%. Yeah, that's a good basketball team on the other end, which leads me to one final Big Ten question for you guys. I think we would all agree it's a three-team race, if you can call it a race at the top. It's not a race. Purdue's winning this league. Purdue, Illinois, and Wisconsin is the top tier. You then have three teams that each have six wins in conference right now. That would be Michigan State, Northwestern, and Nebraska. We've seen brilliance from all three. We've seen competitive games against the best teams in this league from all three. Which one of these three gets the fourth double bye in the Big Ten tournament? Uh, is it Michigan State? Is it Northwestern? Or is it Nebraska? RC, we'll go to you first. Northwestern. I, I think Northwestern is, is the team I think that I think get the full spot. I think they're um, – we talked about before, a whistle here or not. They, they, they were right there. They've shown what they can do. They're a tough matchup with Purdue. Um, and they got a dude, man. And Boo Booey is a dude. They got a closer. He's a difference maker. You know, he, he, and it's different. And when I say that, it's not, say what we want about Zach Eady. Somebody's got to get him the ball. And that's the hardest thing, no matter who you have, you got to make sure you have, and teams are going to try. That's why we feel better about Purdue because they got more guys and we know they can do it now. But when you got a, a guy and he has the ball in his hands, there ain't a damn thing you can do about it. But just, and nobody's just going to run a double a guy in the middle of the floor. So you just got to, Deal with it, rotate, whatever it is. But that dude is special. He's fun to watch, and he's definitely one of my favorite players to see. And I, I, I'm going to go with Northwestern. I've seen it enough from him, and I like the other guys on the team as well. But I just got a guy. I think that I think he is better than anybody at Michigan State offensively. No disrespect to Tyson Walker. I just think because I think he impacts the game and, and assists and everything else. Um, so I, I, I think it's Northwestern. I don't really think it's uh, it's relatively close, but I think it's. They're the better team. McCall? Yeah, I'm, I'm with RC. I mean, Boo Booey goes baseline with the game on the line last night and gets fouled. It could have easily been an and one. I mean, he he was right there on that baseline drive. I mean, he got clobbered, but if he makes that layup, he makes the free throw. He's not going to miss the free throw with the game on the line. They're going to win that game. And then, you know, we talked about Purdue, the Purdue game and the free throw discrepancy. I mean, that game came down to the wire, too. Um I think Tom Izzo goes to his 26th straight NCAA tournament. I don't think there's any question about that. But in terms of the Big Ten, I, I got to give the nod right now to Northwestern and what Chris Collins is doing and, and to RC's point, Boo Boo, he's, he's that guy. I mean, I think he's the best guard in the league. 
and to go out and do every given night what he's doing and put up the performances he is and you get trapped on ball screens different way it's it's impressive and they've proven that they can look they almost beat Purdue twice right so look that 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 and own you get the nod in terms of the next up in the Big Ten Fellas, I could shed a tear right now. The amount of love that Boo Booey is finally getting on this program. The amount of years I had to wait for this moment to happen. Thank you, Matt McCall. Thank you, Randolph Childress. It warms my heart. All right, while we speak right now, Arizona is on the ropes uh, against uh, it's Stanford, I believe, right? Yes, against Stanford. They're yes. down three with 13 minutes left. Uh We'll have reaction to this coming up later in the show. We've got some other results from Sunday, Providence, Villanova, that we want to get to next. That's coming up after the break here on the Field of 68 After Dark. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th, and running through Monday, February 12th the morning after Super Bowl 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops, odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field 158. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. It's the Field of 68 After Dark. Randolph Childress, Matt McCall are in the building. My name is Greg Waddell. I alluded to this before the break, guys. Arizona uh, struggling at home against Stanford. This is a Stanford team that they let hang 100 on them the first time these two teams played back uh, on New Year's Eve. That was one of Arizona's worst performances of the season. A lot of people expected revenge. They were a huge favorite at home tonight. They have just taken the lead. They're up 53-52 with 12 minutes to play. But uh, before we clicked record tonight, guys, we were talking behind the scenes about whether or not we should trust this team. Matt McCall, I'd like to throw it to you first. Do you trust the Arizona Wildcats right now? We were trying to hit the panic button. They just took the lead. There's a lot of basketball left to be played here. Okay, we got 11 minutes and 52 seconds, and we're all sitting here panicking that they're going to drop this game. Um, I... I you know, I, I, trust is such a hard word. And I, I mean, what's trust mean? Do we think they can get to Ooh, Phoenix? He started backing team? up. Did you hear him backing up off that one? He started off strong. <laughs> he had to back up. Like, he came off strong. He started 
<laughs> do, do we think they can make a Final Four? Are, are they going to Phoenix? Do they make a run in the tournament? What's trust? You came out hitting the gas, but Matt, you was on the gas hard, man. Oh, it was just 12 minutes left, man. <laughs> then you <made> <laughs> Trust is this. Trust is this. Are are they a national championship contender? Are they a national title contender, no. yes or no? No, I don't think so. No. I think they're a good team. I think they can make a run in the tournament. I think they can get hot. Um, I think Tommy Lloyd's a, a great coach, but I, I I look, I think there's two national championship contenders right now. <laughs> I think that's it. I think Carolina you could put in that category and Houston could be right there. You could throw them as national championship contenders. But I think it's a two-horse race, and I just – I think Arizona has just lacked the consistency. You know, we saw them lose to FAU earlier in the season, and we've all been high on FAU, but we've seen them have struggles at times this year too. I just think they've just been inconsistent to be able to call them a national championship contender. Okay, very fair. Uh, RC, I before I throw it to you, I just – Right. No? No, I, well, I want to set the table with just this from 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 Stanford real quick. So 100 points, Stanford hung on them last time. Tonight they roll out 45 points in the first half from Stanford. To me, it's it's defensive questions. I don't question anything offensively with this team, but is that spot on, or, or where are you at with the Wildcats? Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I, we both said the same thing with that. Now I will say this: they gave up 45, and you were kind of like, what are we? What are they doing? This is the inconsistent team that we've seen. And something happened at the three three minutes to go. Because I I, I turned it off thinking, man, they're going to go over 50. And then they didn't score another point. And then they came up the second half. They're outscoring a 19-7 in the second half. And they've taken a lead. So they're just showing you what they're capable of. They've just been – their backcourt has been ridiculously inconsistent. But they're talented enough to make a Final Four run. And I think that, like you said, the two favorites got to be UConn and Purdue. But I think they belong right there in that next group of teams, whether it's Houston, Carolina, whoever you have in that next group. I think Arizona belongs right there. They 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 can turn it on. We've seen them do it. We've seen them play at a very high level. Um, but the consistency in their backquarters has has some concerns. And it's just overall defensively into the floor. I mean, Stanford came out today. They were 50%, 40% from three. And and if, if they're going to give up those numbers, I thought they were uh, elite defensively when I saw them at Duke. They were getting over. They were competing on the defensive end of the floor. Their guards are big and physical. And then somewhere down the line, I don't know what's happened. They just seem to, as a team, and I said this about Arizona, and I, I often say this about a bunch of teams as well. When teams go take that travel, or when they travel on, their, on those foreign trips, you start practicing in like late July, August for those things. Those teams come out stronger at the start of the year, but you also feel that crap come this time of the year now as you as you come in and leaking a little oil trying to get to the pit stop get a little break a little bit because your guys have been at it since you know it hasn't been four month season it's been eight month season so far for them it's a great point yeah it's a great point it's a really good point but you like that point mccall you're you're like right in line with rc right now you like that yeah i, I just think it's i mean it's it's a long season to begin with you know and I, yeah. like i was talking to someone the other day about this too just in terms of like the big 12. I mean, these guys are beating each other up right now. Like, do we think that that's going to play a factor come March in the NCAA tournament with, with how these guys are just banging against each other? And the Big 12 is the best league in the country. But, like, do we think that that may play a factor? Has that played a factor maybe in last year's NCAA tournament with the Big 10? Like, they're just beating each other up. And then these teams that go on these foreign tours and have been full-on practicing since, you know, June, is it can weigh on you. It, it really can. I, and, you know, fatigue can become a factor. There's no question about it. Like when the rules changed where you can full on practice in the summertime, five on five workouts. Yeah. You don't have 20 hours a week. You know, you're limited to what you can do, but you can flat out practice and put in your defense and press and do these types of things. And there's certain coaches that do it a lot and, and full, they, they don't do the individual instruction piece. Yeah, I think you look at some of these coaches' resumes when they get to the NCAA tournament that lose, that win 30 games a year, and they lose in the first and second round of the NCAA tournament. It's like, all right, what are they doing over the summertime? Are their guys beat up? Does the league beat them up? I think there's something to be said for that. 
So since we started this segment, which was the is it time to be worried about Arizona segment, Arizona now has a five-point lead. That's usually how this works, right? Uh, With that said, uh, the word that RC used was inconsistent to describe the Arizona backcourt. Kylan Boswell has been a big part of those inconsistencies. He's just struggled compared to the guy he was in the first month of the season. uh, I don't feel like I'm watching the same guy when I watch him play. And this might be a stretch. RC might call me after the show and be like, is your back okay from stretching this hard? But uh, when I think inconsistent backcourts, RC, I think of Caleb Love backcourts. Is there anything with just Caleb Love being the guy you center your backcourt around that maybe is playing on this backcourt? Here he goes. Of those two guys, only one of them has been benched. And I, I'm okay with a guy giving me 19 points a game, for shooting 44, 45% as, as as explosive as he can be because I also know he's capable of winning me a game. Now, that's part of this, the adjustment that they have to do with that that, that group. Uh, let's just call it what it is. It's got to be Boswell. I mean, he's got to be the guy. If he plays the way high-level point guard play, uh, this team can win a national championship. He's big, he's physical, he can shoot, he can get in the paint. There's not much physically that he can't do, but I think it has to start with him. If he can compete with the high, and, and he can, we've seen it from him. If he can play, I shouldn't say compete, if he can play at the level of some of the, the best point guards in the country, which he has the talent to do, then Arizona's right there because they got everything else. And we've seen this team be tough as hell, defend, which they are doing right now. The problem is, they should have started the second half the way they started the first half. And they're, they remind me of FAU in this aspect. They're playing like, man, we're going to cruise through our league. We ain't got to worry about it. And then we can hit the button come March and turn it on. And that's why I say what I say. But the, we've seen this we've seen this backcourt play at a high level. And if they do, they'll be playing at home. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, there's one other game from tonight I want to quickly ask you guys on, and then we'll go to break here. Villanova. Just destroyed Providence. I mean, just a defensive masterpiece from the Wildcats tonight. Uh, held Providence to 16 points through the first 24 minutes of this ball game. Uh, McCall, how about that trust word again? I keep asking, do you trust people? Where's your trust level at with Villanova right now? It's been a very up and down season for Kyle Neptune's team. God, that was a that was an offensive struggle. And it's uh, it's for for a guy that loves offense and a good coach whose teams can always score. That was tough to watch in the first half of that game, twenty six to sixteen. Um, not a lot of of shots going in. The ball plays, as we call them, weren't really working. Um, I, you know, I think both these teams ha- have been inconsistent, and I sound like a broken record on the field of sixty eight. They both have young head coaches that are still trying to figure out who they are as head coaches. Kim English is a young head coach. Kyle Neptune's a young head coach, you know, and, you know, both taking over situations and Kyle Neptune is even more challenging because Jay Wright's one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time. And to walk in there and everyone's like, Oh, well, it's Villanova. He should be winning right now. He's got to figure out who he is. And this is, this is a good win for him. They needed this one. You know, we saw them early on in the year and their MTE and what they were able to do down there, but they've just lacked consistency. And I think that's the biggest key. And, you know, I don't know if either of these teams make the NCAA tournament, but you got two coaches that are both really, really young trying to figure out who they are. And they'll be both of them have had success. So I think both these programs will be good, but it's it's just that that's the biggest challenge. RC. I think I was one of the guys that said this team would compete for the Big East title to start. I thought they were the surprise team when everybody was picking, you know, obviously Marquette and and UConn and everyone else. I thought this was a team that could – and they very well, and I did say they could win the Big East tournament. This team very well could do that, and they've shown that for 30 minutes of tonight's game. Uh, But this team is underachieved, and I, I agree with everything you're saying, Matt. They're two guys. I know I know both of them well. I'm cheering for them, and I think they'll figure things out. But I, I Villanova is different for me because I don't think there's a philosophical change in, in in playing style, right? So like when Hubert took over, there's things that you know you, you can see he 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 complete system change there. 
You know, we're not playing two bigs. We're opening this thing up. And, and so as your team struggles to make that adjustment, I don't know if there's a offensive adjustment or system-wise. They seem to be doing the same you know, same system. And with this team that the talent level that this team has, um, they I, I just don't see them being 12 and 10. I thought they'd be significantly better than that. So uh, maybe, my, maybe my expectations was too high. But coming into this year, I thought – I expected this team to be at the top of the Big East with UConn, even in the situation UConn's in now. And I was impressed with the way they defended early. They struggled early offensive end, but defensively is where I, they were flying around, getting in and out of their double teams. The rotations were on point. They were containing better dribble penetration. They did a pretty good job, I, I thought, tonight. And, and that's been – they hadn't seen that all year long. And, and, and I don't – this team won't make the tournament. I can't see it. I hadn't seen it enough. And I'd be shocked, but if they can somehow, this is one of those teams that we we don't, won't have a high seed in the Big East tournament. But if they play like they did for the first thirty minutes today, then they can get there. But I, I RC, All I right, think I'm, you bring up a great. I think you bring up a great point though, just in terms of Hubert Davis. Like Roy Williams is gone, so Hubert Davis has to do things the way that he wants to do them, the way that they want to play, just to plug and play a coach in there and say, hey, look, Jay Wright's out, Kyle Neptune's coming in, Kyle Neptune's just going to basically do every single thing that Jay Wright does. No, man, he's got to do it his way. He's He's got to run his offense. He's got to instill his core values and be about those things. I think that's the biggest challenge, right? Like Neptune came in, nobody on the staff left that I can remember of his first year there. I know they've had a little bit of change. Ashley Howard's back there now too. But it's like he just, you know, he's got to do it his way. And I think that I, that's such such a great point about Hubert Davis. Like Roy Williams is gone, man. Hubert Davis is going to put his stamp on this program, even though he's taken over for a Hall of Fame coach. I mean, that's a that's a great point. So I'm going to put you guys on the spot to end this segment. I want you to tell me which program you think has a brighter future in this tenure. Is it Kim English's Providence program, or is it Kyle Neptune's Villanova program? Let's start with McCall, then we'll go back to RC. Man, that's – I think it's too early to tell for both of them. I mean, I guess you go Kim English because it's year one. He's shown his ability to be able to recruit and being good players in here. Um, you know, Duro, who played for him at George Mason, is, is fantastic. <laughs> Ticket Gaines is fantastic. He brought both those guys with him. So can he continue to recruit um, at that level and bring those caliber players in there? He showed he could do it at George Mason as well, getting those guys to come. I mean, Adoro was there, so he kept him, which was a huge – I mean, Adoro could have gone wherever he wanted um, when Kim English got hired, and he stayed. So I think I, I just give the nod just because he's still in year one there. Um, but it's, uh, you know – Six of one, one half dozen of the other in, in, in terms of this. I I think it's um it's not an indictment on either coach. I I, I I just think it's Villanova because I think they got more resources. I think there's resources there, you mean NIL money and opportunities there. It's a blue blood. You know, it's one of those teams that we've kind of that you know, that we've went under Jay Rice tenure that we were like, hey, this is a blue blood program and this is the same providence program as good as it is as good as they've coaching that they've had the last few years and that they have now and that kim english is there's a reason that cooley left and went to georgetown and you know i know his daughter's there and, it, and it's, it's 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 resources and money that seems to be at the front end now with what college athletics is run by so if you got money for nil um that this is the type of situation. So I only say Villanova because I think the resources are there to make anything happen quickly, you know, than than let's say Providence. That's a good answer, RC. I appreciate both your insight on that. It's a hard question to answer for sure. But uh, for the record, I thought both of you gave very fascinating looks into a lot that goes in to a successful basketball program. All right. Uh, we're going to take a look back at the weekend that was in college basketball. Some huge results in some huge games. Tennessee, North Carolina, Kansas all emerged victorious. We'll talk about our takeaways and then we'll even do some Sunday superlatives. That's coming up next on the Field of 68 After Dark.
Big news, guys. I am thrilled to announce that we have partnered with Autograph, a company founded by the GOAT himself, Tom Brady. The Autograph fandom app gives you access to the best college hoops content, fan contests, and exclusive rewards like discounted tickets, all for doing the things that diehard fans like you already do, following your favorite team in the news and listening to podcasts just like this one. When Tom, and yes, I am calling him Tom, we're on a first-name basis these days, co-founded Autograph, he had one mission in mind, change the fan experience for the better. It works like this. You get all of your college hoops content you want in one place. You get articles from your favorite writers, pods from your favorite hosts, contests from your favorite creators, all on the feeds and the sites that you already enjoy. But instead of having to go to all these different places, it all comes to you in one spot, the autograph fandom map. But here's the best part. The more content that you consume, the higher you rank in the app. As you consider the level up and status on the app, you can unlock unique rewards curated exclusively for you. So download the free autograph app in the app store and use the referral code F68, that's F68, or tap in at the link in the description below or in the podcast app of your choosing to start earning points for doing something as normal as listening to this very podcast. It really is that simple. Welcome back. It's the Field of 68 After Dark. We got Matt McCall. We got Randolph Childress. My name is Greg Waddell. Saturday was the biggest slate of the season thus far in college basketball. We had some very noteworthy results. I want to run through them and give our biggest takeaways, and then we will end the show with some Sunday Sioux Perlatives. But first, let's start with Kansas getting a huge win over Houston. This was a game that, quite frankly, was never close. Houston, the very rare road favorite storming into Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence. That doesn't happen very often. Matt McCall, you're laughing about it. Uh, were you surprised was at all? About that. I think everybody <laughs> was laughing. Like I, I think Kelvin Sampson was laughing. We're favored going into Fog Allen Fieldhouse with a top five team in the country. Like I think everybody was laughing. Even even Houston's Wait, head coach. So is this is this really just how hard it is to win on the road in college basketball? Like you, you've obviously been in that spot before. Do we take that too lightly as fans and viewers? Look, I was on staff at Florida, and we were up seventeen at the half in that place, and we ended up getting blown out. All right, I mean that is one of the greatest environments in college basketball. It's extremely hard. I mean, look at Bill Self's home record. I mean, it, it, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, not to mention his overall record, but his record in that building is is insane. Um, so, yeah, I just think, look, and everybody gives me a hard time for saying this, Goodman, Doster, everybody. Winning is hard, but winning on the road in conference play is really hard. Houston's a machine. Their defense travels. They didn't play their best yesterday. But you got to give credit to Kansas, and I, I, I still think Houston can make a run to Phoenix, no question about it. I think Houston could still win the Big 12. That was a big win for Kansas, but they were at home, and winning in that building is ridiculously hard. Mm -hmm. RC, what'd you see? Uh, surprise! <clears throat> I was surprised. Her, uh, Houston's defense struggled to start the game, right? I mean, he, I mean, they just got blitzed, um, and, and I thought a lot of the games that you know over the weekend was that way. And I know that Carolina. Well, I know we'll talk about the Carolina Duke game. I thought that was equally. Kind of one-sided for the most part, and give give Kansas credit. I mean, we talk about winning on the road is tough. They came out, they punched Houston in the mouth against a team that we we know is an elite defensive team, and took care of business and uh, and literally dom and dominated them. I mean, I thought they they just was a dominant performance by Kansas. So they're getting they're starting to get perimeter. They're getting consistent perimeter shooting. If they get that, I know they made nine threes. They get anywhere. <laughs> nine to ten threes a game, they're going to be tough out because the matchup problem the Hunter's going to present, his ability to pass, you know, they're just an elite team to me on the defensive end of the floor when they really dial in, and they're tough out. They're going to be a tough out. I just want to say this quickly on Kansas. I think there's been a lot of national, loud, public skepticism towards this team, and I think the pendulum has swung too far, and I think this game and the result 
in Fog Allen is a big indicator of that. Johnny Furphy has been sensational. And the talking points coming into this game were that, uh, well, he hasn't seen a defense like Houston's, the, the speed, the athleticism, the physicality. He's going to be spooked. He wasn't spooked. He was up for the challenge from start to finish. And no matter what the depth concerns are with this team, more often than not, Kansas has the best two players on the floor in Kevin McCullough and Hunter Dickinson. Add in a point guard you trust with Dewan Harris. Add in Furphy's emergence. Uh, guys, this team is 3-0 and against the Ken Palm top six this season. Find me another team that's 3-0 and against elite teams like that that nobody seems to be taking serious as a national title contender. Uh, I think this has swung way too far in the opposite direction. It was good to see Kansas get the win. RC, you mentioned North Carolina and Duke. Uh, obviously a huge basketball game. A huge performance from North Carolina who – um, McCall, met earlier in the show, you were mentioning it's UConn and Purdue, and then you snuck in North Carolina as a reference there with them. I think that's <laughs> fair. I think, I think they deserve to be in that group, my friend, and I want to throw it back to you. Does North Carolina deserve to be mentioned with the greatest of the great in this sport right now? I do, and, and I have the utmost respect for Hubert Davis. You know, his <clears> first <throat> year as a head coach, the run that they went on, and then last year, all the heat that he took, and is he the guy? Should he be the guy at North Carolina? And to see the position that he has this team and the level that they're playing in, I, I want to give Hubert Davis a tremendous amount of credit right now. I think it's really, really impressive because there was a lot of negative talk about him going into this season, and he's blocked it all out and has his team playing at the level they do. Baycott was terrific yesterday, 25-10. and 10. And, you know, just that level of game, it seems to me, and RC knows this better than I do, but just the Duke-Carolina rivalry, crazy things happen, right? Like, the home team doesn't always win, and you can say that, you know, Carolina was favored, they're at home, that, hey, look, they'll something, something crazy can happen. And it didn't, and they just took care of business. And even when Duke would make a run, you and I was watching the game on the flight home last night from the studio on NBC, it was like, you never really thought that Duke was ever going to take the lead. Like Carolina kept making plays, kept making plays anytime Duke made a push. And they looked like the better team. They looked like it. They played like it. They looked like it. And I, I don't think it was even in question. RC? Yeah, I, I thought it was similar. It was Statistically, it wasn't as a dominating performance, but I thought Carolina was a tougher team. I thought they were the more physical, tougher team. And, you know, just, the, 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 you know, a lot of chirping. It's a rivalry game. You expect it. Uh, Armando hadn't been scoring. And you knew with all the hype that Filipowski gets and has received all year long and doing this stretch, they're kind of taking off. And Carolina's playing well. Everybody's like, what's going on with Armando? What's going on with Armando? That's the part that makes this thing dangerous now because some people were wondering, is, is he upset? That's why his numbers aren't the way they are. When he starts saying, hey, I, it's going to come through me. I'm not worried about it. Let our guards get off. And I, knowing that in the end I'll get it when I need to get it, I, he just reminded you of how talented and dominant. This was the Armando Baycott everyone was expecting. And if he's going to save these performances for big games, I, I now I don't think he was going to be upset about that at all. But this team has been impressive, and I I I I've kept saying I want to see a game when R.J. Davis plays bad, and he hasn't played bad at all. I mean, even you know when he's not scoring thirty, he hasn't he's not playing bad. So I, I I that's the only thing I worry about them on the offensive him with him. But Armando was one of those guys that we talked about the importance of Zach Eady and offensive rebounding you got to keep a big on Armando or he dominates the game. He's in his, that's where he gets active with their guard play. They're going to put you in ball screens and stuff. So that's why I say, you know, if you've tried to match up and get a guard or a wing or forward to rotate on him. You're not doing it. That's the kind of effect, uh, offensive rebounder he is. And to his, to, for him to be as unselfish as he's been credit to the kid, man, he's playing his ass off and they're, they're right there. I wouldn't put them. I would, I would, I would they would be my third team. Yeah. Yeah, matchup-wise, tough when it, Flip is really the best post defender they could have for Mondo, and Mondo was up for the challenge for sure. Uh, if you're looking for Tyrese Proctor, you can find him on the back of a milk carton. 
uh, one for six in this game, two points. Uh, just just a tough performance for Proctor. He was very good defensively on RJ, but um, tough when the, the other four starters for Duke go for 76 points, 30 for 57. Needed a fifth option this one to, to overcome North Carolina in Chapel Hill. The last big result here, Tennessee. Uh, on the road, talk about an impressive road win. We just spoke to two teams that got it done at home. Kentucky cannot say the same. Tennessee was stellar. Uh, this Kentucky team has very real problems. That's my brief, over-summarized takeaway. RC, do you agree? I think it's the problems of what it's always been. We talk about talent-wise, they got it. They're Final Four talent. Um, no one questions that. Defensively, you just were, we were hoping that they would be better. Um, and I, I, and that's the issue I have with them. And they're a young team, and Tennessee's not. And we saw what Tennessee did to a young Duke team late in the year in the tournament last year. So uh, I, I think Tennessee's just better. They got offensive production now. Uh, I, I, you know, they they defend better consistently than Kentucky does. And they went in there and took a road game that I know many didn't expect them to go in there and get. But I am. I, you have your concerns against Kentucky about defending you never question their talent but they're heading down that spiraling down that path that, that that path again of potentially early exit from the tournament because if you're not going to defend and show a level of toughness on that end of the floor that's what's going to happen and this team has too much talent they are i think if you were to take a roster there's not many rosters you're going to take over this kentucky wildcat roster mccall yeah, I mean, giving up 103 points at home in your own building. I mean, that's – you just can't do that. But you can't I, win it. Zakai Ziegler, man, let's give some respect to him right now. 26 points, 13 assists. He was bad against South Carolina. Like, he was not good. And to see the response that he made, and he had the injury last year and has had his struggles at times this season, to see what he did in Rupp Arena the other night, last night, was super impressive. So let's give that kid a lot of credit because, you know, going through what he went through last year, trying to come back, get himself back, being healthy, he put it all together last night in Rupp Arena. And that was – you you love to see things like that. I mean, that, that, was, that was amazing to see the performance that he put on in there. But for Kentucky, you just – you can't give up that many points in their own building. What are you going to do pick and roll coverage-wise? If you're going to play Trey Mitchell at the four, how are you guarding ball screens? Are you going to switch? What are you doing there? Who's playing the five? How are you like? They, they've got to figure those things out. They've got the talent. They've got the pieces, but just to give up 103 points in a game that they really needed, you know, in terms of winning an SEC championship, coming off the loss to Florida, which call it like it is, Dillingham has the ball at the foul line. If he makes the free throw, they beat the Gators, and instead. Now it's a three-point game, and Florida comes down. And again, to RC's point, it was a defensive possession that they screwed up. Reed Shepard turns his head completely to the basket. Walter Clayton sprints up to the wing, gets the ball. Reed Shepard says, oh, damn, my man's wide open, runs out, leaves his feet. Clayton ball fakes and hits a three, and the game's tied. Like That's defense. Like Those are the plays you can't – and it's a young team that are going to make those mistakes. But to turn around coming – off of that loss to give up 103 points in your own building, it's tough to say that Kentucky's going to make a deep run come March. Yeah. Yeah, a team that I feel like is really searching for front court answers right now, too. They've had different guys in and out of the starting lineup. Uh, it was on Yenso in this game, two points and six rebounds. Bradshaw, two points and six rebounds off the bench. Big Z. Everybody remember that Big Z moment a while ago? Uh, that, that was a pretty fun game to watch. Don't know what's happened to him since. But uh, I won't be shocked if Cal figures it out, but there's a lot of work to do with this team. And McCall, I think you nailed it. This was much more about Tennessee with a stellar performance from Ziegler. Uh, I want to end the show, guys. we got a couple minutes left. I want to do some Sunday superlatives. We're going to go rapid-fire style. I'm going to give you a prompt. You're going to give me one to two sentences on your answer and why. Let's start with the best win that you saw this week. McCall will throw it to you first, then RC will keep that pattern throughout this game. What do you got, McCall? The best win that I saw this week or today? This week. Oof. I'm going to go South Carolina. You right, stole my answer, you SOB. <laughs> <laughs> you stole my answer. <laughs> 
Lamont Paris, and then he follows it up and gets another win this weekend? Come on, man. Give me the Gamecocks. My man Eddie Shannon, former Florida Gator great. Give me the Gamecocks. That's who I'm taking. Sorry, RC. You should have let me know during the break that's who you're taking. I swear you. That's the only thing I wrote down. The only thing I wrote down, I was going to make sure I said that. But, you know, I was going to be like, it's got to be South Carolina. I got to give it to South Carolina. Take them too. Why um, not? Yeah, no, I still would say South Carolina I, I, for the very same reason. I'm just happy for Lamont Parrish's group of guys. Um, 2 0 on the road. Watch. They beat Tennessee. This team beat Tennessee on the road, beat Georgia. Had a hell of a week. We talk about winning the road is tough. They got two road wins back to back, and and obviously, <laughs> I expect them to be ranked this week. Don't drink the Kool Aid, fellas. Don't drink the Kool Aid. Stay hungry. Don't drink it, Lamont. Sorry, man. Hey, me and RC are. If any, if any of your players yeah. are watching the show, Lamont, me and RC are really yeah. sorry. We'll call them. We're, we're poison. Don't drink the Kool Aid. If they act up, call us, and we'll smash him the next week. I told you, don't you know, we'll get on the next week, so don't worry. I'm, I'm going to do the Cox a favor. It's Tennessee at Rupp Arena. That was the most impressive win for me. But good answer, boys. Uh, to the next one, most impressive performance. Define that however you want. A player, a team, most impressive performance. McCall. Give me Deron Holmes from Dayton. I don't know if anybody saw what he did on Friday night. I think St. Bonaventure has a lot of talent. I think Holmes had 37. Right now he's first in the Atlantic 10 in scoring, second in rebounds, and second in blocks. You know, Jordan King from Richmond, transfer from ETSU. He's right there for player of the year race. Richmond and Dayton are now both tied for first place. But if anybody hasn't watched a Ron Holmes play, when Dayton's on TV, turn that game on because he is special and he's fun to watch. You already said it. Zakai Zabin. Zakai. You just said it. He goes in Rump Arena and gives in 26 and 13. Couldn't ask for a better performance and and and, and took one from a rival that was a big game for a conference and position. They would have been top record-wise in conference play, so that was the best performance for me. I'm going to give a nod to Braden Smith. 16 assists in the win over Northwestern. Uh, this man was left off the Koozie Award finalists list that's insane that's crazy there are not how is that how, how yeah. is that possible how is that possible there are not five better point guards in the country let alone 10 and he responded with oh, oh yeah you're 16 let me let, no 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 let me know i will say this under I, I, and i'm not saying he's not i'm not saying he's not but whoever did this i'm asking you and this is a question to you guys is he not in the top five because we talk about them, the Zach Eady. Because you, he he is dictating Zach. No, 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 let me say it. Because Zach Eady is dictating coverages. He's dictating coverage. Tell me the last time you saw a big hedge of screen or blitz of screen on Purdue. But let me say this. Who's you know that because you study the game and you watch film and you're prepared for the games that you're doing and you're prepared for this. Who are the guys that are voting for these lists? Are they thinking that so deep? Many, that no, you're no, thinking? no, no, no. I'm, I'm asking. asking no, no, no. Are, they, I'm are you thinking as deep as you are? And I'm not. Listen. And I'm not saying he's not. I'm only thinking of why I'm assuming they're leaving him off the list. That they're saying, okay, you have this guy, this elephant in the room. I think he's. Listen, I'm a big fan. I'm not questioning him. I'm just saying or questioning that is this got to be the only thing they're thinking of, right? They got to be saying you play with Zach Eady. Zach Eady dictates the game, and no matter what he does, it's going to be where you're supposed to do it. Maybe. I mean, because if they're not, because they, because if they're not doing that, then they should be fired. They shouldn't even be. <laughs> they should be watching basketball. They should be watching anything because it shows how in his play that you wouldn't look at him and say that he does. Dirt. But I'm just, I'm just posing the question: Is it because he's playing with that guy? Because if we were to take five point guard, what point guard can we say wouldn't be successful playing with Zach Eady? I, I see your point. But there's there's a difference again, between I'm being successful. Go ahead, Go ahead Greg. There's there's just a there's just a difference between being successful next to Zach Eady versus being the secondary guy who is driving the action. When you watch a Purdue game, who and took a lot of who I think, took a lot of shit last year? 
Right. Absolutely. Right. And it took, it took a lot a of strides forward as well. Yes. Right. Um, yes. Listen, I and even I had to have Doug is- Sermons, the official, tell him to calm down today, which was like, right. I, yeah, I, I, mean, I loved him. He hit him with like, the flex, like, McCall. On, he, Doug, he looked at this man, man like have this. Some fun. Goodness gracious, yeah. Doug. Brutal. Uh, RC, I thought you summed it well. I thought you summed it well earlier when we were talking Purdue RC. You said, we will not know until we get to March. That's what the pressure is, right? Pressure. You can flip that with Braden Smith and you can say, we will not know until Zach Eady's gone, right? Bookmark hey, this you- right now. I want to tell you. I want to tell you right now, bookmark this. Braden Smith will win the Koozie Award the first year that Zach Eady is not in a Purdue uniform. I believe wow. in this kid's game Hot that much. I'm telling you right now, it's not going to go backwards. The points are going to go up. What a hot take. Write that down. Man, write write that down. (laughs) Write it down, ladies and gentlemen. He's everything that you guys tell me, Tyler. That's who Braden Smith is right now. All right, for Matt McCall, for Randolph (laughs) Childress, I'm Greg Waddell. Uh, I'm going to go ice off after that hot take. That's what I'm thinking. We'll be back here on the field. Go get you a Coors Light, man. Go get you a Coors Light. (laughs) Hey, how about some Jack Daniels, McCall? You know I got this. Well, thank you for watching us tonight. We'll, We'll see you tomorrow night, everybody. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.